Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we got a jam-packed episode today. Much to talk about in the form of the Sabres, some action around the league, specifically with a division rival, and, of course, an update on the conference finals, which have been absolutely electric thus far. But let's start off with the Sabres news of the week. Matt Savoy has reported to Rochester, and folks... We are going to see Matt Savoy play in the Calder Cup playoffs here as the Amherst are gearing up to face off against Hershey in the conference finals. Huge news here, Taylor. Savoy was expected to report to the Amherst, but a lot of people were speculating that it was going to be maybe just more so for the sake of him being around the team and getting a little bit more acclimated to the professional environment and Rochester being around some of the guys here. But according to Seth Appert today at his post-practice press conference, He said, and I quote, Matt Savoy is here to play, and when we get him acclimated, we'll see him in the lineup. He was notably playing on a line today with Oliver Nadeau in practice as well. So very exciting stuff from the Sabres' top 10 pick from last draft, Matt Savoy, who has been absolutely electric this year. Savoy, as we had talked about earlier in the season, had gotten off to a bit of a slow start. It led to him not getting selected to Canada's World Junior Championship team, and that must have really lit a fire under him. Another thing that he talked about at today's press conference, which we could talk about in a little bit, or as post, I should say, post-practice media availability. But he ends up not making that team and goes on an absolute tear down the stretch for Winnipeg in the WHL regular season. Playoffs come. He takes them on a deep, deep playoff run, leading the team in points throughout the postseason. So great to get him here in Rochester now and potentially get some action. So, Taylor, tell me a little bit more about what you think with regard to Savoy reporting to Rochester and additionally what this means for the Amherst as they get ready to face off against Hershey. I mean, it has to be good. He's a, a top 10 pick. And like you said, he's been like really hot lately. I think he was third in the WHL playoffs in points. But it's just a really cool thing to see that like Rochester hasn't had a playoff run in forever, really. It's been 19 years since they've made the conference finals. So to be able to see them in a conference final this week against, uh, or sorry, with, you know, with Coolidge there and with Savoy and with so many people the Sabres have drafted in the past few years that are interesting and or other guys that are, like borderline NHL level guys, really good AHL guys to have like Brandon Bureau and, and guys like that. And even, you know, a cool leader veteran type in Malcolm Subban is a really cool thing. It's something we haven't, you know, been able to do in like 20 years and Savoy being there just makes it all the better. It's obvious uh, 
like you mentioned that he he was inspired at least in some way uh by the uh the poor starts he had of the season and not being able to play in world juniors uh he just yeah he's been incredible for a few months now so uh another top 10 pick that i'm not freaking out about which is good it's a few years in a row now. <laughs> it's a very good feeling. And I think the exciting thing, too, is that Savoy really, you know, we'll, we'll see how long it takes for him to eventually make his way into the lineup. Who knows? Maybe it's closer than we think. But he brings something to not only the Amherst, but this organization as a whole that we really don't have, which is somebody who has the the speed and skating ability that a guy like him has. I mean, it, it's dynamic the way that he is able to, as we talked about before, like leading up to the draft and after he was drafted, you know, all of his profiles talk about how his edge work is incredible and that he has really solid breakaway speed. And the fact that for him being such a smaller guy, the the tenacity that he plays with the aggressiveness, aggressiveness that he plays with, it's, it's pretty remarkable to see. And, it was on full display throughout the second half of the season with Winnipeg through the and through the WHL season and especially in the playoffs. And so now Savoy is going to get an opportunity again on a big stage to be able to make his mark, honest, obviously on this Amherst team, but also we've been talking about how good Kulik has been playing in the playoffs and how that's helping his case for being on the opening night roster next year. If Savoy steps into this lineup, Taylor, and say he's, I don't want to go as far to say as lighten it up, but if he is a, noticeable contributor to this team and say he's you know racking up some points do you think that with the limited amount of games in theory that he would be able to play between these conference finals and then the eventual Calder Cup final do you think that there's a chance that he could significantly help his stock heading into next season as he vies for a spot on the Sabres opening night roster I assume so yeah I figure I mean I know it's it's limited because the guys he's competing with four roster spots there's not that many of them so it's you know how does he look compared to like how Kulik and uh and Lucas Rusak look and then uh, that also kind of it 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 depends also what the Sabres do in the offseason like if they make a swing for another forward and it's like and they don't really get rid of anyone besides Olofsson it'd be like well there's you know there's not as many spots but yeah I feel like I'm sure the Sabres have had an eye on them all season, but I feel like this is the time where it really starts. Like, are you going to make the team out of camp next year? I don't think that starts in camp. That probably starts now. Absolutely. I'd assume. Absolutely. So just again, to recap for everybody, as we've been talking about the successful season that Matt Savoy had, he had 95 points in 62 games in the regular season this year. And he added 29 points in 19 playoff games. Very, very <laughs> impressive stuff. He, we will see if this is the end of his CHL career here, but in his time in the WHL, he played 149 games and put up 192 points. So really, really significant numbers there. Again, for the Sabres, ninth overall draft pick in the 2022 draft. Really, really exciting stuff to come. Do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share on Savoy at all, Taylor, or how he can kind of fit into the mix next year potentially? Uh, No, I'm just looking forward to seeing what the fellas look like. Uh, against Hershey, right? The Hershey Bears. Damn. Crazy Didn't we stuff. lose to Hershey in the finals? Uh, like, oh man, forever ago, like 2000 maybe in the in the Calder Cup? I could be mistaken there, but I kind of remember Rochester making it to the Calder Cup final when I was a kid one time. I'm assuming it was not 99, not the same year as the Sabres. I well, could just look that up. <laughs> yeah, you should do that. While you do that, I think we can also start to make the transition to the next topic that we'll be talking about today. 
Good news for the Sabres. We start off our episode with, and we're continuing it with good news for the Sabres. That also happens to be not so good news for our friends up north, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who parted ways with general manager Kyle Dubas and head coach Sheldon Keefe last week. Taylor, this whole situation seems like a big, beautiful mess is brewing slash currently erupting right now in Toronto. They are at a pivotal point in the in this franchise's direction moving forward. As we had talked about recently, they have two years left on the deals for Austin Matthews and for, or excuse me, for Mitch Marner and John Tavares. Next year, William Nylander and Austin Matthews are going to be, their contracts are going to be up as well. And the guy who signed all of them is now no longer with the team. That, of course, being Kyle Dubas. A really interesting turn of events here as Dubas had his season-ending press conference and had a couple of eyebrow-raising quotes a little bit. I don't think it was anything that was too, uh, I don't know how you want to call this, too much a cause for concern, I guess. He had made a, a comment about being like, you know, Toronto is the only place, either Toronto or spending time with my family is what he's going to be doing next year. And for whatever reason, Brendan Shanahan didn't like that very much. And so he had said that after Kyle Dubas's comments that he had made on Monday, it changed his thinking about the direction of the team moving forward. And from there, they decided to part ways with their general manager. Sheldon Keefe, I don't think is necessarily as big of a deal as it is Dubas, because let's be real here, folks. The Maple Leafs were built to make a a real run this year, a real run at the cup. They have high-end talent on their team. They obviously had some question marks and goals, some very, very major question marks and goal, I should say. But look at around the league right now with some of the goalies who are are, uh, having success in the playoffs. I mean, Aiden Hill is leading Vegas to a 2-0 lead over the Dallas Stars, which we'll get to in a little bit. Sergei Bobrovsky is having this huge resurgence throughout these playoffs here. And Toronto was a team that was very deep, a lot of high-end offensive firepower. They made some big moves at the trade deadline and leading up to it to help bolster their depth a bit. And it was not enough. And so I feel like letting go of Keefe, I don't think, is is the worst move they could have made. But I think that this Dubas firing is going to lead to a lot of problems down the road for the Maple Leafs because of the fact that, one, I, I don't want to go as far to say as like I'm a huge believer in Kyle Dubas. I mean, I think that... When it comes to GMs, I think that his approach and his philosophy is in line with where the game is going and is in line with that of teams who have had success in recent years. And just, again, where the game is kind of trending to right now, identifying those players, what have you. Brendan Shanahan, though, then in that press conference went on to say that a guy with experience is going to go a long way as they are entering into this search for their new GM, which to me just gets my mind immediately going to, all right, so they're going to hire like a hockey guy, like an old school kind of thinking guy, potentially not somebody that's necessarily as uh, forward thinking, or I guess more bluntly young as Kyle Dubas, which bodes very, very well for the rest of the division. If we're being honest, because again, you have some key decisions coming up for the Maple Leafs. As again, within the next two years, they are going to be faced with contracts coming up for Austin Matthews, John Tavares, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner. So Taylor, before we kind of get into the the depths of this a little bit, just tell me what was your reaction when finding out about both of the firings and really what this means for the Maple Leafs moving forward? 
So first, I should say Rochester did not lose to the Hershey Bears. They lost in 99 and 2000 to Providence and Hartford. So mistaken. I think they beat Hershey in the playoffs. Anyway, but back to what you were saying. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing because what happens a lot of times in hockey and in, well, more so hockey than other sports is it seemed like Toronto will lose, get upset in the playoffs, which they have multiple times now. And a good example, of this is like Washington a little bit over a decade ago, they got upset, I believe twice in a row in the playoffs and they freaked out about it and made a bunch of probably not smart moves like coaching change. They tried to make Ovechkin more of a defensive player. If you remember that, it wasn't good. It was a lot of, it kind of wasted the middle of, uh, like probably the 2011, 12, 13 little era, the Capitals. It just wasted a bunch of time. It just made them worse. It was a huge overcorrection. Uh, and that's normally what happens in these situations. Like, oh, we got upset. We got to over, we got to correct for this. Sometimes, like, you make good decisions. Like, Tampa decided they wanted more, like, you know, bottom six grindy defensive forwards. Some of those guys are good. That kind of helps. But sometimes you do that for too long and you trade five picks for Tanner Janot. <laughs> but the Leafs really <laughs> resisted that. And I think that Dubas almost made a mistake in the other direction where he didn't seem to want to do any kind of big move. Uh, even their goaltending moves weren't big. Like they, they let Anderson go a few years ago and they've been trying to just do patchwork stuff since then. And that, that pretty much goes throughout their lineup. They, they basically looked at this big four that they have as immovable. And if you, I don't know if you want to include Morgan Riley there too, they, they didn't ever seem interested in making any kind of swing like at all to change their team. And meanwhile, I guess you would say that Dubas did a lot of normal GM things as much blame as he gets for building too skilled of a team or whatever. He did a lot of the sign. I don't know, tough, tougher bottom six guys, the, the Wayne Simmonses of the world. Mm-hmm. bringing guys like that he brought in Bogosian too he just made I, I, like I would said I would call this like normal jam moves and then he traded for O'Reilly this year like he really seemed like he was focused on the defensive aspect and I guess to his credit that's not why they lost they didn't lose because Joseph Wall sucks even though he does <laughs> and he also he got eliminated twice in one week tough break buddy because he also got eliminated by the Amherst could the Amherst uh, beat the Toronto Maple Leafs I don't know I think we have to really start considering that anything could happen in uh in a short series but <laughs> They, uh, yeah, they did. They, they didn't give up too many goals. They weren't, it wasn't like, uh, they were getting boat raced or anything that these, these games they're playing are turning into track meets. It wasn't like that at all. They're not, they're not like the old Maple Leafs. Like they did play good defense. The problem is, uh, this big top four they build around can't score in big didn't games. Score. Didn't they score. Didn't score. Yeah. They just can't do it in big games. It's insane. I think they had two goals in the entire, between the four of them, two goals in the entire Florida series and the whole five game series. Oof. I don't think I'm pretty sure Matthews and Tavares had none. Like it's absurd. I don't know what to say. Like even if you look at Mitch Marner's career playoff numbers, they look like, well, it's not great, but it's not terrible either. But after game three in any series, it's terrible. And they're especially bad in game sixes and sevens. So I don't really know what to say about that. These I I it's hard to just be like, oh yeah, all four of these guys are chokers. But it's also hard to be like, yeah, this is just luck for the seventh year in a row. Yeah, it's not. It's there's got to be a little bit of something to it. And I think in particular with Marner. Uh, but yeah, I, besides that, it's I guess you could also look at the simple thing of. They were going to Bavrovsky was really hot. Yeah, <laughs> he's like fair. he looks like 2018 Bavrovsky again. Very, very fair. Also, one move that we didn't even mention, too, for bolstering their defense is Jake McCabe making the move for him. So yeah, that's another one. There's over the last three years, there's been a ton of moves like that. Well, and that's kind of what I'm saying though, is that I felt like this year Duba, aside from goaltending, obviously, but again, that wasn't the reason why they lost, but like that aside, they, he really, 
I think built this team the right way. I mean, even going into it with goaltending too, you bring in Matt Murray and then you bring in Samsonov, which felt like a couple of pretty good calculated risks. So, not even risks. I don't even know if you want to go that far. I mean, look what they, they dragged Jack Campbell to the playoffs last year after his play fell off. And I don't know. I, it, it just seems really interesting for me. And it's, I have a hard time thinking that Dubas is going to have uh, a difficult time getting another job because I do think that, He's he did help build a winner in Toronto. Like they were pitiful oh, yeah, be fine. getting to the playoffs before that. And obviously they didn't have the success there, but he built that team pretty well. Now you can obviously question some things when it, with regard to contracts and whatnot, like, it, you know, there's always room for that discussion with any. Bobby, that's another big thing that he didn't get any deals at all. Yeah. They all, all those guys got paid uh, as much as they should or more, except maybe Nylander. Right. But- Marner's getting paid like he's Matthews. Matthews is getting paid like he's McDavid and Tavares is getting paid like he's 2017 John Tavares. Yeah, you're right. It's tough. Just to say again, too, because I, I'm it's escaping me if I misspoke before or not. But after this season, Nylander and Matthews are UFAs. And after the 24-25 season, that is when Tavares and Marner come off the books as well. Yeah, so. that's what you said. Okay, it was that. I just wanted to make sure I didn't get the the years mixed up with some of those guys. So Let's talk about the road ahead here, Taylor. I mean, when it comes to the Maple Leafs, you have to think this core four that we're talking about. I mean, is one of these guys going to get moved? Is this going to happen? Yeah, I mean, they kind of have to now. Like, why fire Dubas if you're not going to make a big move? Mm-hmm. What's the point of that? You think you're going to do better around the edges? Probably not. Yeah, I think I don't know who it's going to be, though. There's no real easy answer here because – we talked about who I, I'm sure they'd love to move Tavares, but who's taking Tavares on? It's only a couple of years, but it's like, what's really the appeal there for that price point? And can you really be affording to like retain salary? I don't right. know. And it's then you too have Marner. close to the end of his contract, it feels like to to try and move him and have to like keep money. Yeah, and Marner is another example where it's like, I mean, maybe someone wants to take a flyer on that, but the, everyone else watches the playoffs too. And he also makes, I believe, 11 and a half million. They shouldn't trade Matthews. That'd be crazy. And uh, Nylander is not, not a problem really for the money he makes. He's been fine. Of all nope. the guys, he's the one who's the least of a disappointment. Well, and what's interesting too, I mean, Marner had a, a huge year this year. Like he was excellent for them. And he has a no move clause that kicks in on July 1st. Could it be possible that he gets moved at the draft potentially or thereafter? I guess it's possible, but I just, I kind of wonder who the market is for Marner. I guess one team that would really be interesting to me would be Calgary. Interesting. Go on. Because they either need to really fully, fully rebuild, which maybe they're trying to do or like do something. And I don't know if they really can fully rebuild with a bunch of money uh, dedicated to Huberto like that. I mean, they probably should try to rebuild, but if not, they're just, they're going to have to make a move. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they don't think that. And I know they're going to be under new management as well. So who knows what they're going to be thinking? I guess it's going to depend. But the funniest option, no doubt about it, the funniest option would be Vancouver. <laughs> You'd never have to worry about him screwing up in the playoffs. That's very kind of you to think of him that way, Taylor. <laughs> um, but I also wanted to say it's kind of interesting that the way Dubas gets talked about with this era, because Dubas was not the GM this whole time during this uh, Toronto, you want to say Renaissance or whatever. Correct. He was the AGM for a while with Mark Hunter uh, under not only Shanahan, but also Lou. Lou. Easy to forget for about four years there. Lou is the Toronto GM. Yep. And they, I believe it was in that era where maybe not Nylander, but I think they drafted Marner and Matthews under that leadership group. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
they there was kind of a Dubas was always talked about in high regard, probably partially because of the analytics, partially because of his age. But he there was some kind of differences in opinion and Hunter and Lou left and went to the Islanders, which hilariously now the Islanders have won so many more playoff series than the Leafs and Tavares too flipping sides there. The Islanders have had what is easily their best era since the early eighties. Sad to say for them, but they made the conference finals twice. They made the second round another time. And they made the playoffs again this year. Like <laughs> they won five playoff series. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Well, let me ask you this, Taylor. Obviously it is. Let's preface this by saying massive long shot. What I am about to ask you putting Tavares out of the equation, knowing what we know in the respective situations, any of those three of Nylander, Matthews, or Marner interest you from the Sabres perspective at all? Nah. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. I think when you take into consideration the acquisition costs, the fact that all these guys are going to be UFAs within the next two years, I mean, unless you're able to get some kind of crazy good deal for Marner, which feels highly, highly unlikely unless they like hire Peter Torelli or something like that. It doesn't feel like any of those moves really make sense for the Sabres. Not, I, I don't know. It, it just doesn't really feel that way. I mean, maybe it's something that when those guys become UFAs, kind of maybe inevitably knock on wood, because that would be, again, hilarious. But if they become UFAs, maybe then that comes into play because it's like, okay, the Sabres are this like making the play. They, they make the playoffs next year, starting to get their reputation up a little bit more. The allure of coming to play with such a good young team, they're going to have some cap space if they wanted to make a big move for a guy like that. Maybe then, but as far as for making a trade again, I don't think that it, it just again, with the acquisition costs, that it, it makes a ton of sense, especially again when there's one or two years left on those deals. I will also say, in case anybody is like, well, what the hell was last episode all about? I do think it is a little bit of a different situation when it comes to Connor Hellybuck only having a year left on his deal than it does with these guys. When again, you take into consideration age cost salary, things like that, but maybe yeah. position position and, is and, and position. Obviously I meant to say position first, duh. Um, but all that being said though, it's going to be extremely interesting to see who this hire is going to be for Toronto because they could be in a bit of a tailspin here very, very soon, folks. And it's kind of funny to think because a few people had pointed it out and it just it got in a couple of different ways or a couple of different talking points with regard to this. But it got me thinking about it further. Just the fact that maybe a year ago from this time, two years, probably a little bit more accurately, we were looking at the rest of the Atlantic division and feeling very, very worried about what the Sabres place within it is going to be, just given the fact that you have how Tampa had been. You had Boston, obviously, just being Boston and still being able to look good and still, you know, even though they were an older team, you had Florida, who obviously had won the President's Trophy last year, and then they make the move for Kachuk. You have, I mean, I don't know how excited you want to get about Montreal, Detroit, or Ottawa, but they seemingly have some good young talent in the pipeline for them as well, and it felt like the Atlantic was just this juggernaut that the Sabres really... We're having going to have a hard time finding their place in. And now, fast forward to where we are now, I mean, so many question marks when it comes to Toronto. They're both short and long-term outlook. The same can be said for Boston because they're going to have some tough decisions coming up too. And if Patrice Bergeron leaves, that's going to create a massive hole for that team. 
Florida obviously is in a very good spot right now when it comes to them, you know, in their short-term success and being in the conference finals, obviously being two wins away from making it to the cup finals. They are seemingly set up just for the fact of having, you know, just like that core of, uh, of Kachuk and, and Barkov and Ekblad. And now Montour is there too. And we'll see what Reinhardt's future looks like, but they also, you know, Bobrovsky's not going to be able to keep playing like this forever and ages catching up to him. We'll see if it, ends up doing it at any point in this playoffs, but sure not looking like it right now. But again, then those three teams that I mentioned before, when it comes to Montreal, Detroit, and Ottawa, I think they're looking a lot less intimidating maybe than we can say they were uh, going into this, this past season here. And so it kind of feels like the time is like here for the Sabres. Like I had said, I think we both had kind of talked about this about halfway through the season that the rebuild is over and the Sabres window is here. Like it is, it is now, you know, like that, that last playoff stretch through last season was the beginning of the Sabres window opening. And next year, you know, 2023, 2024 is when the door just is blown off and it is wide open for them now to really stake their claim in the Atlantic division and, and again, become a, a force in the division here. And so, what I mean, what are your thoughts on that, Taylor? Like, do you feel as though it has been a drastic changing of the landscape of the division in a very short amount of time? And and I also want to say too, I'm not trying to undersell the fact that obviously we have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who even though they had a, a less than flattering playoffs this time around, and Vezlevsky obviously was not looking particularly good, and they are getting a little bit older, they are still very, very good. But do you feel that is the case, though, Taylor, that the landscape has drastically changed in the Sabres' favor now? Yeah, because even though Florida's had an awesome run, you have to you have to consider that they probably were better than they were in the regular season, but they also won't be getting goaltending like this all the time. They're still right. in kind of a weird spot goaltending-wise, and they probably will be next year, too. So even though you have that going on, Tampa, Boston, and Toronto, they all took big swings this year. They all really made it seem like this is really win now for them. And it makes sense considering the, especially the ages of Boston and Tampa and the lack of playoff success for Toronto. And so who knows where Toronto goes from here? That could be interesting. But Boston's getting older. Like they won 65 games this year, but it's like it sure seemed like that was Bergeron's last game. And then with Krejci too, and you got to assume one of the goalies is out and you're not going to get nearly as good of goaltending next year. And you have a bunch of uh, free agents there too. We went over that recently. And then meanwhile, you know, Montreal is obviously behind us in the rebuild because they started rebuilding what, two years ago, maybe. So they've just, they are just so clearly past Ottawa and Detroit that it just, you have to feel pretty good about all that. That's they're in a really good spot. Agreed. Agreed. Do we want to hear a word from our sponsors before we catch up on the conference finals? Sure. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. So, folks, you're probably listening to this on Tuesday. Uh, The conference finals are ongoing. You might be interested in what kind of bets they have there. Well, Tuesday night, you're going to have Western Conference Finals Game 3. It's in Dallas, so that should be interesting. So Dallas is slightly favored, but yeah, if you're interested in any money line bets, any puck line bets, 
check those out, DraftKings Sportsbook. And all you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet, score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. Resident Gambling, help line ma.org. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, it's 21 and over in most states, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. So, folks, with coffee starting at $5, even without any customizations, and our bank account somehow always depleting, we're officially entering a dupe session. Most of the products are the same thing, but are priced differently solely based on a brand name. So a good duplicate or a dupe is crucial crucial for getting the highest quality, the best price. One dupe you definitely shouldn't sleep on is Raycon wireless earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. So everyone wants to save some money. Obviously, we have summer coming up. Everyone likes to go go out for summer, maybe go on vacation, a nice trip to a lake of some kind, or I don't know, a hill. People like these different geographical <laughs> landscapes. You say, man, I'm going on a vacation for work next week. Oh, do you mind if I get the week off? Uh, oh, yeah, that's really exciting. Where are you heading to? Oh, just this really cool hill that I just like to go to. Yeah, but there's a Verbo on the hill, so you're going to have to pay for that. Which means ah, you got to save money. I thought we were just out in the nature. I'm just on a hill, just laying out there. I mean, you could do that too. That's another oh, way okay. to save money. Or instead of just doing that, you can invest in Raycon. Raycon's oh. mission is to prove that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other more big-name tech brands out there. Raycon knows that in this economy, every purchase needs to be perfect. They offer buy-now, pay-later options. Right now, you can pay as low as $18 at checkout. They have easy and free return guarantee. They offer two years of product protection insurance for just a few bucks and free domestic shipping and flat fee international shipping. And they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Do their many tremendous features such as three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functions, noise isolation, awareness mode, custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit, crystal clear call quality, they're water and sweat resistant, and the everyday earbuds get eight hours of playtime. So go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And next, of course, folks, Thin Man Brewery. Some exciting uh, stuff they got going on this week. First, Thursday at the Elmwood location, they're doing their final May edition of Thin Man and Friends, the monthly pairing dinner. Five courses in paired with five beers and they're doing a collaboration with dope as dough if you're interested in that uh details tickets available at thinmanbrewery.com so check that out if that's interesting to you uh also the thin man brewery summer stole summer solstice sorry that's uh the seventh anniversary of thin man at the Elmwood location. We mentioned that before you can get tickets also on the website but right now they're doing a VIP ticket giveaway so all you got to do to win two VIP tickets is follow Thin Man on Instagram, tag a friend you'll be bringing in the comments, and share the post to your story. A winner will be randomly selected uh, on Wednesday. So do that before Wednesday. And like we said before, VIP ticket includes first and second floor access, commemorative glass, first pour, one food ticket, three beer tickets. 
there's different levels of VIP, as we mentioned in a previous episode. Uh, we're supposed to, I should also mention there's live music, uh, beer, friends, and much more. So if you want to celebrate seven years of Thin Man, we're supposed to say that you cannot actually get a ride home from our friend Yvonne. Uh, Who told you to say that? The deep state. <sighs> so, of course. Yeah. So you do, though, if you get the highest level of VIP, if you make that investment, you can ask Yvonne to tell you one story about early aughts New York. Wow. Yeah. So. Can I, can, well, okay, here's my thing, though. Is it just, like, about New York in general, or is it about what he was doing? His experiences. Um, okay. That's actually fair. That's actually a really worthwhile investment. I've heard a handful of them, and uh, folks... Let's just say I've been in contact with some people about selling some some screenplay adaptations. <laughs> you working on a treatment? <laughs> wow. Without me. That's interesting. Well, I was going to wait until we had some investors line up to bring you in. So, All right. Fair enough. So then also they just uh, – the last thing with man, they announced their lineup, uh, their third, uh, third lineup announcement for the Weirdly Wonderful Beer Fest, July 22nd. Uh, that's going to include, wow, a whole bunch of these ones, including Dancing Gnome, Froth, Good Word, Eli Fish, King State, KCBC Beer, and uh, there'll be more. They're going to announce those every week. So remember, that's uh, July 22nd this summer, and tickets are available at weirdlywonderful.com. So that's pretty much it for Thin Man. Check it out. Two locations, uh, Elmwood and Chandler. We have our trivia tonight, so if you're listening Tuesday, it already happened, but so thank you if you if you came to it, that's nice. Yeah, if we <laughs> so that probably should even mention too. Yeah, we weren't able to put out a Monday episode just due to some scheduling conflicts this weekend. So that is why everyone is listening to this on Tuesday right now. But preemptive thanks to everybody who showed up. And uh, if Taylor and I get there tonight and nobody goes, then you all are dead to us. So yeah, fair enough. That seems like a fair deal. Good. So uh, the conference finals are going on. I have a conference finals related quiz for you let's get to it well quickly should we just give a, a brief update here before we wrap before we get into the quiz that both of the series are two to nothing right now in the east florida leads carolina two to nothing on the back of a couple of matthew kachuk overtime goals he's really showing up for them our boy sam reinhardt getting the primary assist on the overtime winner in game two just want to point that out and uh the vegas golden knights they are leading their series against dallas two to nothing all four of the games that have been played so far have gone to overtime. So a very, very entertaining conference finals thus far in the NHL. But Taylor, talk to us about this quiz. All right. I also want to mention we're really on a collision course for the Jack Eichel, Sam Reinhardt Cup. <sighs> but <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about the quiz. It's about the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, the way things are looking right now, the Hurricanes might be looking to add themselves to the list of teams that have lost in the Eastern Conference Finals recently. They, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they've lost 10 straight Eastern Conference Finals games dating back to 2006. Well, not dating back to then, but that was their last win. They've been swept twice, and they could be swept for a third time. So uh, this quiz is uh, kind of a simple one. It's about Eastern Conference Finals losers uh, of the 21st century. So do you want to start? Do you want to go backward in time or forward? Do you want to start in 2000 or start in 2022? Oh, God. Uh, let's let's go backwards, I think. All right, 2022. So it's just I have to just say who lost? Yeah. Okay. Uh, who 
was it last year? Would that be New York Rangers? That's correct. There we go. 2021. 21. Who was it? That? Well, obviously Tampa won. Hmm. Who did they beat? Wait, was no, that wasn't the bubble. Or was it the bubble? It was the bubble, right? Uh, depends what which bubble you're talking about. It wasn't really a bubble. They were playing at, in, or in the, the short. Or I should say the, the short, short season. season. Excuse me. I that yeah. was sorry. Uh, I mean Tampa again. Was it? No, it wouldn't have been Montreal because no, uh, no, no, no. Um, God, I really do not know. Do I get a hint for one? Can I use a hint? No. <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, Islanders. Yes. Hey. Twenty twenty. This is the bubble. Oh God. Um let's say twenty twenty. Yep. Washington? No, it was the Islanders again. Really? Yeah. Oh, Pretty huh. fun. Twenty nineteen. That's Carolina, right? Yep. 2018. Wasn't that a sweep? It was. Hey. Uh 2018. So this was Tampa Washington, but this is when Washington won the cup, so it would be Tampa. Yep. Cool. 17. All right. Uh 2017. I think that that would have been Pittsburgh. They're second. So these have to be all right. So whoever these next ones are, Pittsburgh pick whoever Pittsburgh beat back to back, and I know one of them is the crazy Ottawa series that went seven. I just don't know if that was first or second. Uh, let's go Ottawa. That's correct. Cool. Twenty sixteen. Twenty. Tampa? Correct. 2015. Wow. Um, All right, this is where it's going to get start to get a little murky here. Uh, 2015. Was this a... Okay, this isn't necessarily maybe it is a clue, I guess. This is a, a Western conference team won the cup. Is this either a Chicago or LA cup year? Seems like it's in that range. I'm gonna say the Rangers. Correct. Damn. Okay. 2014. All right. Oh, God. Yeah, th- this is like no man's land. Ah, boy. How about... How about Boston? Oh, that's close. It's Montreal who beat Boston. 
in the oh, second okay. round. 2013. 13. I want to say this is the Bruin. This is the Bruins Cup year, I think. So who the hell did they beat? Penguins? Yes. They okay. did lose the cup, though. Who? Oh, 2013. Oh, that is, uh, is that LA? The, no, they lost to the Blackhawks in the oh, cup. Oh, the Blackhawks, that one. Okay. Yeah, 2012. Okay, we just talked about this one recently. Didn't we? Didn't we? Um, This is a Rangers-Devils one. Oh, right. yeah. It is. So who we won? We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. So it's got to be the Rangers then. Yep. Okay. 2011. This is the Boston Cup. And that makes me want to say... Who did I bet against? Um... I feel like I'm just like, I keep going to like, if I don't know an answer, I'm like, okay, it's probably one of like Tampa or Pittsburgh. Um, uh, well, no, because Boston and Pittsburgh were the one from a couple years after that, right? We said Boston, Pittsburgh was 2013. Yeah. All right. So it's not Pittsburgh. So I'm going to, Actually, you know what? This is, I think, right before Tampa got bad for a little bit. So I want to say this is not bad, but they, yeah, bad. Okay, yeah, this is Tampa, I think. Yes, Roly the goalie. All right. Moment. Uh, twenty ten. Didn't they have uh, Javi Bullen around then too? I uh, I don't think they had him at this point. Did they not? Okay. Um, twenty ten. This is Blackhawks Flyers in the cup, I believe, right? Right. So that would have been, if it's the Flyers, Blackhawks, it's Montreal, I think. Yeah, Montreal. Cool. Yeah, of luck. Actually, looking right now, uh, the backup, backups, plural, for Dwayne Rolison that year were... <laughs> Good Lord. Wait, Mike, for, Smith, for, Mike Smith and Dan okay. Ellis. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mike Smith. Go. Wow. He was 28 years old. I did not. Mike Smith wasn't really. I guess he kind of got benched and then went to Phoenix. And Phoenix was his first year as a real, like, good starter. That's interesting. Good for Mike Smith. Yeah. All right. 2009. Duh, okay. Um. So this is Pittsburgh's back-to-back years where they like they made it. Um, one of these I know is Philly. I'm gonna I'm gonna go Philly for the first one. No, it's not Philly. It was Carolina. Ah uh, darn! What a shame. Uh, all right. Well, then 2008 has to be Philly, right? Correct. Okay. All right. Uh, here's some easy ones. 07 and 06. I don't want to talk about it. 
Fair enough. Do I have to answer it to get the credit, or can we just spare all of our listeners? Yeah, you 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 know who you're. We know who it is. Oh four. <sighs> we also just talk about how sad it was that 2007 was like a five game series against Ottawa. Like, what an anticlimactic pile of shit that series was. I think this is probably going to be controversial because of how beloved those teams were. But by the end of 07, they really weren't firing all cylinders anymore. Like they got spanked by Ottawa and then Ottawa got spanked by Anaheim. Like it really seemed like yeah. if you did like a, like a, I don't know, a power ranking by the end of that year that the Sabres would be like clearly fourth behind Anaheim, Detroit, and Ottawa. It's kind of yeah. sad, but because it's uh, how incredible they were like October, November, December, they were amazing. But then I don't know. It's so funny that it's like they had a, a really sluggish series against the Islanders and they were really close to losing to the Rangers. I, I would just, it, it's just so funny to me that like, cause I completely agree with you, but that they win the president's trophy in 06, 07. I mean, they were a really good team, but God damn man. Oh, five, oh six was like their year. Like it, it was, it was theirs. I, I just, we, we we rehash this constantly, but if even half of those injuries don't happen, they win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, I'm going to go cry for a few hours before trivia. Anyways, uh, what do we got next? Oh, four. All right. So this is a Tampa Cup year. Uh, God, who the hell would even be good in 04? Um, uh, God. I how about New Jersey? No, that's a good guess, but it's the Flyers. Uh, oh three. So this is the Jersey Anaheim Cup, right? That's right. Who did New Jersey beat? Feel good about the next ones. This is the last one that I feel like I'm like really hung up on. Uh, God, I don't. This is this is brutal. I uh, let's go with. We just did Philly. Uh, Christ. This is bad. Um, how about Ottawa? I don't know. Yes. Yeah, baby. There we go. Cool. All right. Next one is Carolina Cup again, right? Yeah. And this was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, because I always love making fun of Leafs fans about this, Toronto's last conference finals appearance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Oh, man. Oh, one. All right. That's Devils. And I want to say this is against. This is Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh beat us, right? They sure did. When we Two... like, we, I feel like we, that, that's a very. You're the one I feel like who brings this up, uh, uh, who or at least who has a couple times in conversations that like that is the 
real forgotten team of like Sabres teams that actually could have maybe done something. Yeah. Cause they're like right in between the 99 team and the 05, 06 team. But, and cause Hatchick wasn't firing all cylinders at that point, but damn, I don't know. The 2001 NHL weird kind of league at that point. Yep. And coming out of the East, they would have had to obviously play New Jersey in the next round, but it's been pointed out the Sabres actually didn't lose to New Jersey that year in the regular New season. New Jersey smacked Pittsburgh in that series, right? Yeah. Okay. They did. But yeah. in 2000, New Jersey played a much closer series. Would this be against... I believe it was a one-goal game. It's Lindros, right? Isn't, isn't this Lindros and the Flyers? It is. There Some people go. say it's Brian Boucher and the Flyers. They also beat the Sabres. Oh, the Flyers did? Yeah. That, that was actually nice. really – it's a big letdown after 99. They got – Sabres got kind of stomped in five games in the first round. Damn. But, all right, well, good job on that because I think you only got four wrong, so you did 17 of 21. Wow. Or wait, For, 22, I, I I, 18 of 22. Okay. For a, a couple of, like, half-court heaves, that was not bad. Yeah, the Sens one especially. I remember that it was also I just said a very name. close game seven. I remember that like a Who Saturday was even night their goalie at that time. Actually, <laughs> our dude. Who? Oh my god, what is his name? He was a terrible Sabres goalie. Laleem. Patrick Laleem. Yeah. Oh man, the man himself. Yeah, I, oh, if I remember yeah. correctly, it was like tied in game seven, and like a minute left. Someone on the devil scored, which I was happy about because I already didn't like the Sens when yeah. I was 10 years old. Of course. I just really I wanted to keep up the streak of a Canadian team not winning the cup. And little did I know that would continue right into my 30s. Wow. Patrick Laleem. There we go. That's I'm trying to think. There's some, I feel like that Ottawa team had some guys on it. Like, wasn't like Radic Bonk on that team? The late Radic Bonk? No way. He died. No, I don't know. I made that up. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I immediately, as soon as I said that, I thought I, I'm thinking of Wade Bellick. Oh, I was like, dude, I don't think that he did. I feel like I would remember that. Yeah, no, uh, that team, I, I believe that's, uh, they still have Chara, but he's just becoming a good player. They yeah, have well, obviously they Alfredson. Phillips was there on D at that point. Yeah, well, they wouldn't have had Yashin anymore, right? Because Yashin was part of the Chara trade. Yes. Yes, and then special. Oh, they had Rob Ray. Young. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is, this is the year before the Hosa-Heatley trade. Their leading scorer was uh, Hosa. So it's Hosa and Alfredson, obviously. Two great scorers. Wait a minute. But, God, after that, it's it's Hold on. If they, guys. Yeah, but if they had Rob Ray, that means they also would have had friend of ours, uh, our old pal, Vakoslav Varada. They or did, Va- yeah. Vaklav Varada. Excuse me, Vakoslav. Jesus, I was about to say Vakoslav Kozlov. No, Vaklav Varada. Yeah, they did. Hell yeah. There we go. Radic yeah. Bonk and Vaklav Varada. Yeah, their third leading scorer is a guy I've literally never heard of. What's the name? Todd White. White or wait? Todd White. I have no idea. 60 points. Yeah, then it's Havlat, Bonk, Redden. Chara, Fisher, all the guys you remember. Yep. Wow. Spezza was a rookie on this team at 21 points. Phillips, he played 33 games and had 21 points. Damn, that's pretty impressive. Good for him. They had Chris Neal and Rob Ray. (laughs) Anton Volchenkov. Pointless. 
Ray Emery played three games in the regular season. Wow. Someday, uh, if you get the chance, listeners, look up Patrick O'Leam's hockey reference and look at his save percentage every year and just marvel at what a nice guy he must have been. Can I ask, is Chris Neal the worst player in NHL history to have his jersey retired? Probably. I know some guys, he's the worst one to have it retired because of his play. Because some some guys, you know, die and they get their number retired. Well, I mean, yeah, no, I'm saying in terms of him just like being bad at hockey. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think uh, it's that's embarrassing that they did that. So bad, dude. Ottawa, obviously, like most old expansion teams, was terrible for a few years coming up. But they had like a a good run after that. I know they always choked in the playoffs, but, you know, they had Alfredson, who's like a borderline Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's actually in or not. They had guys like, you know, Hosa, Heatley, Chara. Spezza. Yeah. It looked like a good run for a while. They made they the Stanley did. Cup. And that's the the friggin' Joker they have the number retired for, Chris Neal. Brutal. Simply brutal. Well, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts you'd like to share before we sign off and prepare to go ahead to trivia? Uh Jokic or Hemi Butler, who you got? Damn. Uh Jokic. I agree. Yeah. What is Grant Williams doing? What is wrong with you? Uh, I, let me ask you a, a deeper question. What is Jalen Brown doing? Where to begin? You know what my problem is? It's the it's coaching. Missoula is bad. He is a bad coach. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't supposed to be coach. No, he wasn't supposed to be, and I'm pissed that they removed the interim tag. But then again, I think after how this is going, they could probably get rid of him if they really wanted to. Yeah, probably. I don't. See I mean, you got to get over the hump here. Like, there's there's no excuse anymore with having the team that they had. They, I mean, you had the Brogdon addition going into this year, which helped with their bench scoring. Like, you have the rain the not this year, but obviously the reigning defensive player of the year as well. You have two superstar players on your team. Like, there's no excuse. They should be in the finals. You're losing to an eight seed who had to, who lost in the play-in. Yeah. Come they on. almost lost twice. They, I they, know. They really almost lost to the Bulls. But, man, no. My issues are with Missoula first. Actually, no. It probably is Grant Williams, actually. What the f- Oh, there's, would you agree that of all the players in the NBA, every single guy who is currently in the NBA, Jimmy Butler is the absolute last person that you should try and talk shit to. Yeah. Cause he cares that you're talking shit to him. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a big level. Certifiably psychotic. Yeah. Like in LeBron, a good way. LeBron doesn't, uh, I don't think, not that he doesn't care, but it doesn't affect like, let's say someone at LeBron's stature as much. Other people will care, but he like really cares. There's a a real like I guess like uh like that's almost like a graph you're charting out how good you are versus how much you care when lesser players talk shit to you. And Jimmy Butler is like the last guy you want to do that for, considering how good he's been in the playoffs and you know his general demeanor. That's like the exact like literally Jimmy Butler is pretty like how you just described that. It's essentially like the fuck around and find out graphic. Yeah, yeah. Graph, whatever. Yeah, I I am. I just remember when it happened, like when they got face to face with each other and when he was saying shit, just being like, no, 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 because you knew it was coming. You knew. Like, yeah. Why would you want to piss him off? Like, anybody else? 
Oh my God. So I don't know now. I am just like beside myself now that the Celtics are about to lose to the eight seed Miami Heat. I mean, I like Jimmy. So like, it would be cool to see him get one. That's the thing is like, I obviously want the Celtics to win here, but like Jimmy or Jokic or uh, Jokic getting their first ring will be cool either way. But oh my God, like what a missed opportunity. And also like, what is Boston going to do like after this? I, I mean, trade Jalen Brown. <laughs> I'm officially removing the super from his superstar status. Where do you think, what, what deal do you think it's a part of? Do you think they do it for try and do it for Dame? Uh, I mean, I would. I don't know. I don't. I have no read on it, honestly. You want Vucevic? You want Nikola Vucevic? Uh, I think I'm gonna pass on that oh, one. I appreciate. All right. I do like Jalen Brown, though. I mean, I don't like it, but show up, somebody, yeah. step yeah. up here, Jesus. How about Tatum scores another fifty or something here? Like, come on, guys. Like, let's get it going here. Oh, anyways. I have nothing else to say on the matter. Do you have any other thoughts on the NBA? Uh, I'm excited for the finals. Couldn't care less about what people think the ratings are going to be. Not my business, what the ratings are. That's Adam Silver's business. Nothing to do with me. I'm going to have fun, I think. I think it's going to be a good series. Uh, Should be interesting. Bam versus Jokic. Jimmy Butler, you know, maybe guarding Jamal Murray. Man. Also, yeah, Jamal Murray has been unbelievable. Yeah. So it's been cool. I kind of hope these ones at least both go five. It'd be bad if there were two sweeps. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It might be funny if the Celtics got swept, but I'd really like to see, you know, LeBron throw one last punch, I guess. It would be nice. I feel that. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Also check them out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us same way, when it comes to the streaming platform that you are currently using to listen to this episode, you could check out all of our fellow shows. But before you do that, make sure you are subscribed and or following us. And we'd very, very much appreciate it if you would leave us a nice little rating or a review. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors of this podcast. Folks, don't we love our sponsors? We love them so much. Of course, DraftKings is starting us off here with that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals. Same way with Raycon headphones. Use the promo code Take Advantage all the audio listening devices that you need right there for you. Raycon, we love you, Ray J. And last but not least, Thin Man Brewery. We love Thin Man. Lots of cool stuff coming up between Summer Solstice, the beer launches that they have, the other summer events they have coming up. So make sure you're stopping by Thin Man Brewery at some point this week or over Memorial Day weekend to take advantage of the lovely atmosphere there. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Straight up Sabres.